everywhere for you. Hyrule is under attack. What are you doing? Well, excuse me, princess. I've been listening to Virtual Theater's episodes all about The Legend of Zelda cartoon. They're both hilarious and insightful. Okay, Link, I guess you're off the hook. I've heard that Virtual Theater is a podcast that only covers video game leads. Why haven't I seen this episode released yet? Because this is a Patreon-exclusive set of 13 episodes. This is only being released to patrons, along with other great bonus content. Well, don't just dilly-dally, Link. I know of all the great episodes available for free over at soundcloud.com forward slash virtual theater. But tell me where I can sign up to get these bonus episodes. Over at patreon.com forward slash virtual theater, of course. You know, princess, I think all this info deserves a kiss. Not a chance, Link. I gotta go get those Legend of Zelda cartoon exclusive episodes. I'll see you later. Well, excuse me. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by the one and only Allison Aletha. Al, how are you doing on this fine, fine Sunday afternoon? Um, I'm actually having a really, really good weekend. I, I did something super adulty this weekend. You want to take a gander at what I did this weekend? Uh, was it buy a Majora's Mask statue? Um, I, I did that also. <laughs> this is more this is more like uh, adult necessity. I bought a new car. Oh, hey, congrats. Yeah, it was a lot of work. Like, buying a car is a lot of work. And, yeah. But I'm super excited, and I feel I feel very accomplished today. That, that's awesome. What kind of car did you get? I got a used 2020 Toyota Corolla. Mm. That's, uh, that's a car that I've been eyeing. This is a sidebar here, Al, but, like, my car, I have this, I have the worst car ever. I have this old Pontiac Sunfire 2004 it's like it's so it's so cheap to maintain which is why i still have it but uh-huh. uh my exhaust fell off about a year ago and i and i put it back on basically with duct tape and the thing has never been the same it sounds like a rocket ship now whenever you whenever i'm driving <laughs> so i'm oh, i'm gonna be boy. maybe doing the same thing shortly because i think that this thing is my car is gonna explode at some point pretty soon yeah it's probably best to be safe than sorry but if you are thinking of that car i'd recommend it it's very nice uh, a, a new car is is good for a road trip, Allison. Oh heck a, yeah! A road trip maybe to the Rocky Mountains. What say you? Hey, look at that! All right, let's do it. Get there a new car. Um, all right, well let's uh, let's also talk about the other definitely more important thing that oh, you yeah, did uh, this weekend because that that's what I thought you were referring to. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, so this is yeah definitely more Zelda related. I I actually purchased this last. Uh, June, July when it was announced, but First Four Figures um, announced like a smaller version of their Majora's Mask uh, statue, and it was really cool because I've never considered buying any First Four Figures uh, figurines or statues because they're always so expensive, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I just can't justify buying that, but this was only $99, so I felt like it was totally worth it, and it, um, you can either hang it on the wall um, it came also in, like, a really wicked cool box that I'm totally going to keep, like, a purple Majora's Mask colored box with, like, silver um, kind of, like, embroidered, like, the masks are silver on the purple box. So that looks really cool. And then you also get a stand, which has, like, the design from the room in which you fight uh, Majora's Mask at the end of the game. It has, like, one of the designs from it. And it also glows the sand glows and the eyes glow so it's pretty cool it's not that big I think it's like 10 inches and I put it up on my bookshelf and it looks really awesome and I imagine if I lit it up at night while I'm sleeping it'd freak me out (laughs) (laughs) 
So if uh, anybody is like is like considering, you know, oh, I don't want to <clears> buy a first four figure statue because it's too expensive. I feel like this one's affordable and it's cool. Yeah, I, I saw some of the pictures that you posted and they looked uh, super awesome. Have you posted any pictures on your Twitter feed? Um, I have not, but I can after we're done recording. So if anybody wants to check them out. Absolutely. Show, show it to the world because, yeah, it looked it looked super cool. I think that actually Majora's Mask is the most visually stunning thing that Nintendo has ever made. Like just the design yeah. of it. the it, It's just like so, so awesome. So awesome. Yeah, and it has really good details, um, the mask itself on the games, but the uh, the figurine, they did a really good job getting all those details. It looks awesome. It has all the right colors that you want, you know. It's it's really cool. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so, yeah, I, I saw that. I was pretty jealous. I was thinking of breaking into your house to, uh, to steal that, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but, yeah, it, it looked really cool. And now uh, you have a new getaway car. car. I'm happy for you. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty excited there. about it. It happened yesterday, so. There you go. Uh, you know, this while we're just like completely off topic here, Allison, I've got okay. another sidebar for you because I'm just sure. I'm trying to avoid getting into today's topic for as long as we can. But so <laughs> okay. uh, Sam and I went and uh, we're we're adopting a puppy and I'm trying to think of a Zelda-esque name for this puppy. Uh, because my cat is, of course, named Zora. So if anyone out there has any good suggestions for a Zelda-named puppy, uh, tweet at me, at Spateri316. Let me know. He's a boy, by the way, so I don't know if that influences any of the name picks or not. Heck He's yeah. You guys you guys finally decided on one? Yeah, we did. We uh, nice. we, we saw him yesterday, and it, I, he's, he's the one. He's so cute. Aw, Yay! I, I hope we'll be seeing pictures of him on Twitter too. Abs- uh, yeah, absolutely. As soon as uh, as soon as he comes home, which is going to be Wednesday, uh, we'll we'll pull some pictures. Uh, I guess we can't put it off any longer, though, Allison. What we're here to talk about today is the Legend of Zelda CDI games and Faces of Evil, in particular. Uh, Link the Faces of Evil. We are doing a retrospective on this CDI game. And, um, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to talk about. And, uh, you know, we, we were lucky enough to play a, a slightly more accessible version of this game. Um, the, both of the games, The Wand of Gamelon and Faces of Evil have been remastered by our man Doppley. Uh, he is a, a developer, a modder that, uh, had been working on these remasters for about four years actually oh wow. and uh he finally he finally got them out and he finally pub- published them uh they're out for the world i don't think that they are freely available anymore but you can get them if you're interested uh join doppley's discord it's at merlin's plate or palace i'm sorry merlin's palace over on discord talk to him and he'll probably hook you up i talked to him he was a really cool guy gracious uh, so, and just a big shout out to him for, for putting in the time and putting in the effort to remaking these much maligned and p- potentially misunderstood, uh, video games. But here we go. This is part one of part two. We are going to be back and we are going to cover the Wand of Gamelon at some point. But before we get going here, Allison, I do think that I have to tell a story about these, okay. about these games. So uh, as I was... As I was telling you before we got on the air, uh, I'm a little bit grumpy today. In fact, it's what my father would call a case of the red ass because you're just a little bit uh, irritated all day, right? Oh, man. The reason that I'm grumpy, and it's not the game's fault, but it just so happens that it happened during this CDI experiment, is I plugged my Xbox controller into my computer to play the remastered versions of these games, and uh, it worked fine. I got to, I played for a couple hours. I got to about, I think I'm about 30 minutes away from being done. I took my Xbox controller out. It was time for dinner. Went to go use it afterwards. The thing will not connect to save its life. It won't connect to my Xbox. It won't connect to my computer. It is just flashing and flashing and flashing. I couldn't even finish the game because it won't work and I can't figure it out. So if anybody out there, by the way, uh, is, is smart and has some ideas for me about how to fix my Xbox controller... 
uh, you let me know at Spateri316, and I will be forever in your debt. But uh, I, th- I think it was very apropos that this game that we've been talking about for so long, about how bad it is, uh, basically caused my controller to malfunction. So I've, I feel like there's it. something poetic in there. <laughs> just killed it. It was like, uh, yeah. yeah, you've been talking all this all this stuff, and now I'm going to kill your controller. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Which does uh, suck. Controllers are expensive, so that is lame. I, I'm sure there's probably an easy fix for this, but I don't know what it is. But uh, my point of, of this story is, is that when we get to the very end, uh, Allison, you can you can take over and share your fight versus Ganon, because I never even got the satisfaction of of giving him the final blow with the book, if you will. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this right now: it doesn't take long. You thought no. you thought the anglerfish was bad, but we'll get there. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if we should have expanded our criteria to uh, to include the CDI bosses because none of them are particularly great. <laughs> Although some of them, some of them are okay, I guess. But um, let's just uh, let's just get it started here and and kick it off with uh, Link and the Faces of Evil. So. This is uh, <laughs> this is a very very interesting game. Uh, you you basically start off as Link and he is complaining that he's bored, and uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden we yeah. meet we meet the the is he a magician? Is that what uh, is that what Guanam is? Do we is? know? Like, <laughs> I there's like there's no I I had to look up these characters because I didn't know who they were, and I still don't know who they are. So I guess he's a magician and he's going around on a flying carpet. I uh, he's he's a wizard. I'm sorry, he's a wizard, not a magician. There, there's a okay. big difference there. And okay, he, fair enough. He comes to the king and he says, "Hey, buddy, uh, the island of Accordai has been taken over by the evil Ganon, and Link is uh, is all excited for this new adventure, and he is going over to Accordai. And you know what? I actually I'm gonna give props because the Faces of Evil has kind of like a cool it, like the island itself i think looks kind of cool because like you yeah. have all of these like giant uh honey what would you call them like giant statues or like giant heads across the island which are yeah. the heads of the different bosses of the game and you know what i i actually kind of think that that idea rocks a little bit i think it's i think it looks cool i um yeah i agree i think uh i it's kind of cool they like he explains it link is like what is that and you know, our wizard guy is like, yeah, those are the faces of evil. And it, it does portray in some way. I'd, I It's hard to tell because the art style is so, you know, 1993. But um, it yes. does portray who, who you're going to fight there. And the town or whatever you're going is also named after the boss. So that also helps you kind of see where you're going and who you're going to face, which I think is cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just want to point out really quick that the Link at the beginning of this game is just like, like you said, he's like, ugh, I'm so bored. I wonder what Ganon is doing. Like, he just brings into the universe this turmoil for poor the poor island of Kurdai because he's bored. You know? <laughs> he jinxed everybody. I was like, dang, Link, you get, ugh, calm down. You know? <laughs> hey, Ganon, go take over an island or something. I got nothing to do. <laughs> right? It's so dumb. <laughs> Um, oh well you know what speaking of link i think that it is like actually hilarious that they basically modeled link off of the cartoon version of link from the 80s cartoon because like the first like his mannerisms are exactly the same he asks zelda for a kiss like multiple times and zelda has the same gimmick where she's like no way um I, i just think that it's so funny that because at this point you know, we we had had Zelda 1, 2, 3, and I think Link's Awakening had, had been out by this point as well. So we have more of like a, we have more of an understanding of Link's character. Granted, it's not, it's not like super expressive and fleshed out yet, but it's funny to me that they went after the 80s cartoon version of Link, who's like such this like skis ball. And it He's makes me wonder bag. if the developers like, I mean, they, they couldn't have played a bunch of Zelda games. They probably just went to the the cartoon because it's the only time that they've ever heard link talk and they're like oh okay we're gonna model him after this this makes sense to us yeah and i mean if you consider like the cheesiness of the things that these characters say it it totally would make sense that they they modeled after the cartoon instead of the games because 
even the games had better dialogue. You know what I mean? At that time that these right. games, the first few games were coming out, but definitely the cartoon has a lot of cheesier dialogue and cheesier like uh tropes, I guess I would say. You know, Link being kind of a skee-ball and Zelda, you know, she's actually kind of a strong-willed girl and she's like, "No, Link, I don't like you. Get away from me." You know, <laughs> it's pretty cute. But I was I actually wrote down this question when I was taking my notes. I was like, "Who's worse, the CDI Link or Cartoon Link?" I I kind of feel like Cartoon Link might be a little bit worse than CDI Link. Um you know what? This is interesting because, as you know, Allison, uh, on Virtual Theater, the podcast all about video game movies and the stories that shape them, yep. Gooey and I have actually been watching all of the Zelda 80s cartoon episodes, and we're actually just about to watch the last one. And I would actually counter that and say that they're basically the same. Like, th this link is totally based off of that cartoon link. It's just that the innuendo is dialed down just a little bit to make it more yeah. accessible for for kids i guess which is crazy because the cartoon was also for kids so uh yeah i don't know oh, i just think boy. it's really funny that they did that the king is like a spot on to the king in the cartoon um even ganon kind ganon of Ganon looks yeah he looks like the ganon from the cartoon he doesn't sound like him sort so of much. yeah yeah he he favors him more than i mean definitely more than uh blue ganon yeah and a link to the past and to your point about the dialogue too that is also like directly uh modeled after the cartoon because like the the dialogue in a link to the past is um i would say it's kind of formal at points yeah so and this game is definitely anything but formal <laughs> yeah fair <laughs> enough well there you go andy spateri confirmed that the cdi games in the cartoon are in from the same timeline uh, yeah i think they are i i think that they are they exist in the same canon fair to say uh, these these cutscenes are awesome, like yeah. <laughs> they're so good. And I know that they've become memes, but like they are, they are so bad that they're <laughs> fantastic. And like they're bad by a 1993 standpoint. Like at at this point, I, you you could have made way better stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in 1993, this was not very good. But the fact that they just like persisted. And, like, every character is this, like, huge, monstrous blob of, of character. Like, there was uh, there was this girl that, I, I forget her name, you have to give her the necklace. But, like, she, like, mm. grabbed, I think Alora is her name. She, like, grabbed Link and, like, gave him a kiss and, like, suffocated him. It was, like, so <laughs> funny and so over the top that I was cheering, actually, in my kitchen. <laughs> Heck yeah. I, <laughs> I... I, I also agree. It's, like, so horrible that it's just fantastic. It's just one of those things that it's, like, it's not even cringy anymore. Like, I feel like maybe 10 years ago I probably would have been like, oh, this is so bad. But now I just love it. And if anybody's been around Zelda Dungeon for a while, you know that Andy Spiteri has some skill with paint. I feel like he could have made the art for this game, for these games in paint. I, I think that's literally what somebody did is they just they whipped up the design and paint and it was like, okay, how do we animate this now? Right. That's it's, fantastic. It's it's wild, yeah. It's uh these these cutscenes are all over the place. Um and I love that they're like these short, like little bursts. Like there's not there's not really a whole lot to them. Uh the longest one I think is about a minute long, so there there's something just so manic about them that I really appreciate. I just, I just think about it while I was playing this game. I just think, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching these cutscenes, and I'm like, somebody really said, yep, these are good. These are good enough. <laughs> Put them into these games. And I'm so glad that they did. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, all right. Well, from, from something that is like sort of, uh, I guess, like, a good thing, but in an ironic way. Uh, let's talk about something that actually is consistently awesome, totally unironically, and that is the music. They, you know what, say what you will about these games, um, but, man, they really, they really nailed the music. And I, I think that, you know, I had singled out a few pieces here and there, like the overworld theme is wicked. Uh, the theme for... Um, uh, in the Toiku Lighthouse is like just 
off the hook, but like really, like I stopped jotting down the individual areas because I think that the the entire game soundtrack actually slaps. And you know what? You could also say the same thing about the Wand of Gamelon. Um, it's funny to me how they like made these really awful games, but like they really just nailed the music down. Like I I, I ironically think that the music is like really awesome and better than some like mainline Zelda games. Um, yeah, I actually was kind of wondering about that because they, they, you know, they put those cutscenes in and somebody's like, yeah, these are good enough, but somebody went ham on the, the music and I personally love like eighties, nineties music. So this is like taking me to that time and I freaking love it. I think it's also really cool. I can't, maybe it's the, the Toiku lighthouse, but I can't remember. There's this one that has like a very dubstepy feel to it from like yeah. modern times and i was just like ooh, my brother my brother who's like major into raves and dubstep and stuff would have loved that and i think you know what i would tell him because he's got friends who make that music like for dubstep and stuff i'd tell him to take that music and like make something from it and give it like give it that dubstep feel in the modern times i think they could make really good stuff out of that yeah like it's uh, it, it's awesome. The, the music I think consistently is is really good. It's very energetic. It's it's not like um, it doesn't feel like atmospheric in a sense like mm -mm. some of the Zelda music can. But I think that it's very much like a product of its time, where like you you had a lot of this like really high energy uh, action background music, and I think that it really works for the style of game that you know Faces of Evil offers so I, I think that they actually did a really really great job with uh, the with the soundtrack yeah i 100 percent agree i i definitely really enjoy it um well let's actually before we before we talk about the game uh, itself too i do want to say um just a couple of things about the uh, the changes that are made specifically in the in the remaster version and also i want to talk about um link's sprite work himself because one of the things that I was impressed by and and I haven't I didn't really notice it the the first time that I played this game and I guess I should I should mention too so Allison and I I think have both uh, we've both played Faces of Evil and Wand of Gamelon kind of like casually before on the Philips CDI right yes yeah at the marathon yeah. so but not not like a not like a start to finish playthrough kind of picked up a few levels here and there um, right so so we have like some comparison to the original but uh, maybe maybe this is also true in the original and I just didn't notice it. But when I was playing this, um, I was looking at Link's 2D sprite and I was like, this looks really good, actually. I really liked his sprite in the game. And, and you know what, like all of the enemies and, the, and whatnot had like good sprite work, but Link's in particular really stuck out to me. And I was kind of thinking like, you know, if, if they ever remade uh, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, this is kind of what I think that his sprite would and should look like I, I thought that it looked really nice oh i kind of like that concept of it being remade in this kind of sprite because i did compare this game a lot in my head to um adventure of link but there is a particular moment that i was seeing um link when um whenever you like stab an item to grab it it freezes the screen and it tells you what you just grabbed and there's this, like, look on Link's face when he stabs. You don't usually see it because it's so fast. But I was like, it's like he went from cartoon Link to the Link we know in the games because that look mm. on his face. And I was like, that's actually really cool looking, that, that shot right there. So I really like that. And I I would say that I, I like how much better the um, sprites move in the remastered. Yeah. I, I know that I was talking to Mossy's a little bit about it, and he was saying that, Part of the charm, um, at least I think this is what he was saying, uh, part of the charm of the CDI games is how crappy the controls are <laughs> and how crappy the movement is. And I get that to an extent, but like having them updated a little bit and having Link be able to move more freely, jump a little bit farther than what the, the Philips controllers could do um, right. was so nice. Like it made me really enjoy the game, actually. I, I really appreciated that that quality of life change. Yeah, like it, it was um it was definitely less janky like moving around. And I and yeah. I noticed it particularly in uh 
oh god what was the area called the, the like area where you're going up the falls and the mountains and you have like a million pterodactyls coming at you oh um, yeah 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 whatever that was Spearfish i really noticed falls. it there because i had played that before and like the jumping was so bad um you it like it just it felt so uncoordinated and and janky um the screen was like hiccuping constantly um, whereas this was very smooth and very fluid, and I do, I, I like, I appreciate that. Um, but I, I, you know, I do see his point about like the games being so awful is is kind of their charm. But I, to counter that, like, I think that you still retain that, particularly with, I think that if they had redid all of the, um, like, the cutscenes and made those look nice, like quote unquote nice, I think that would have taken away from the charm. Yeah. Um, but you know, I with that still there, I still think that you kind of. You kind of have that uh, intact in this game. Yeah, so I, kind I, of, I agree, but disagree. Yeah, I kind of feel like the having the slightly better controls, more fluid movement, turned it from like a six-hour game to maybe a three-and-a-half-hour game. Yeah, it's just it, it would have been. It's a lot more frustrating on the original console, and definitely with Wanda Gamelon. I know that when we play that, there's a part in the swamp where I oh. swear I oof. I was yeah. <laughs> I was livid because you have to jump through a swamp as Zelda and those controls on the original are just not good. So I'm looking uh, forward to at least that being improved. Yeah, that I know exactly what you're talking about. That was horrible. <laughs> it was so good bad. Um, you mentioned uh, stabbing the rubies to pick them up. By the way, to anyone not knowing what we're talking about here, you don't have rupees in this game. You have rubies. Yeah, what the heck so. are rubies? <laughs> rubies are the currency of the island of Cordai, i guess uh so there you go one thing that i i loved and actually so i i played the game and i started off with uh remastered mode turned off and then i turned it on and instead of stabbing the rubies you can just walk to them and you pick them up which was like super super nice um another another thing i thought that this was a a change that the game had made but mossies has just told me that it is not is i i had thought that they capped you off at 100 rubies before um but i guess that is not the case i just probably died and never accumulated 100 rubies so yeah really uh i really enjoyed just being able to like pick them up uh, as you go because stopping and stabbing them is like a serious momentum killer plus you know it's very hit or miss when you go to stab items you have to hit it in exactly the right spot which isn't always you know, it's it's easier said than done when you're when you're controlling CDI Link. Yeah, it's kind of weird how the items have such a small hitbox when the enemies, when they throw stuff at you, have like a oh. large hitbox. They can hit the corner of your hitbox, and it'll be three feet from your head, and they're still causing damage. So, sorry, that was that was definitely something that frustrated me. I'm like, I'm nowhere near that thing. Um, and, but... and not only that, not only that, but your shield has like the smallest hitbox <laughs> ever. If they don't hit you precisely, precisely in the center, you're done. You're taking yeah. that damage. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that was that was a bit rough. But one thing I liked about the rubies and um maybe I was kind of scarred from like uh Cadence of Hyrule and my thoughts of Adventure of Link, but when you die, you don't have to start over. It's so nice. You don't have to start over at the like at the beginning of the level. You just start over at the screen that you're on, and you get to keep all your rubies, which is super cool because I stocked up at the beginning to get a crap ton of items because I remembered running out at the marathon. So I just got a crap ton of ropes, crap ton of bombs, and I just kind of you know fought the same guys within the same screen over and over again until I had enough rubies. And then whenever I died, I didn't lose them. So that was super nice, and I really appreciated that. You know what? I'm, I am I agree with you, but I'm going to counter that with something that I think probably could have been included as a quality of life change, but wasn't. Um, so th there are multiple times, right? Multiple times where you just walk in and die immediately into a room because you only have, like, you know, three hearts or four hearts yeah. or whatever, and the enemies can hit you from literally wherever. So... It would be really, really nice if, let's say that you're in um, the fire area and you have your snowballs and you're shooting them at the, the lizards and you make it right up to the end, but then you get killed. It would be really nice if you could restart that with the same amount of snowballs that you had. 
but oh, you can't. Okay. And that goes for bombs, it goes for rope, it goes for lamp oil. Uh, very, very frustrating. Yeah, I would agree with that because the second time I fought, I think it's Goranu, I ran out of um, the fire... The fireballs? Yeah, the fireballs, so I had to yeah. go get some. Yep, yeah. I would agree with that. So they they kind of even each other out, I think. So I'll I'll give yeah. you I'll give you half of that. I'll give you half. Okay. Of that. <laughs> um. Yeah. And I mean, like, I guess the the other thing that I noticed, and again, I don't know if it's just that I wasn't paying attention when I played the uh, the Philips CDI version versus the remastered, but everything did, I feel like, pop a little bit more. It, it just looked a little bit brighter, a little bit more colorful. Um. You know, I, I I don't want to say that the original wasn't because I do remember there being some like really nice like backgrounds and graphics in the original, and maybe it's just because I was like literally a foot away from my computer. But uh, it, it was something that I really noticed and really appreciated when I was playing the remastered version. Plus, um, widescreen mode was awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think I'm probably in the boat where I wasn't paying too much attention when I played the original, so it it, it all pretty much looked the same to me. Um, but I mean, I, it looks good. Like it's hard to, it's hard to say that. Cause I know a lot of people are like, this game is older. It looks dumb, but I think for what it is, it looks awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, like basically all it is, is just like drawn backgrounds and, and, you mm -hmm. know, walkable platforms. And I, I think for that, like it, it looks pretty cool actually. Is it, it's yeah. not necessarily, you know, quote unquote Zelda like, which I think is what a lot of people uh, maybe rightly, you know, criticize the game for it. But I think the areas do look kind of cool. Yeah, I, I do like some of the areas. And, you know, like, the back, the backdrops actually look, um, like, have a lot of detail. The cutscenes don't have that much detail, but the backdrops do. And some of them look super nice. Like like what you were saying, going up the waterfall. Um, mm -hmm. Even the map of the, uh, the uh, Kuridai looks cool, and it has some animation on it. You can see, like, the waterfall in the background and the smoke coming out of the uh, volcano. Like, those are cool details. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, let's talk about the actual game itself here. Um, maybe we'll do... Maybe we'll talk about some levels and then some bosses and then some items, and, and we'll kind of go from there. But, you know, I, I did want to say that, like, I do kind of like the, the idea and the principle behind how this game is designed, where you have these, like very short levels that you need to go through. And there's usually an objective at the end. And once you get to the objective, it unlocks a new level. Um, mm -hmm. I, I actually think that that's kind of a cool mechanic. And, and one that was used like quite frequently back in the NES, SNES days. Um, but the this game is kind of different because it encourages you to like frequently go back to those other areas and like, you know, re-explore them either to stock up on items or like, Maybe you've cleared it, got to the end, but you don't have the item that the character needs. Um, so I kind of like the idea that, like, you know, they're, they're short sprints almost, but there's uh, they're not just one and done. It's almost Metroid-y, actually, in a way, where, like, you can go through them, but you, you have to come back and, like, go do this later, or do this differently. Uh, I, I think that that's actually kind of a cool idea in principle. Yeah, I think it's... Um it's a good thing that they're short because like say you need because different areas have different things that you could use for a different area so you have got snowballs in one place that you could use in the lava level so it's kind of nice because in the short if you have to go back and get some items for the next part of your adventure it's not awful it's not like such a drag to go back and get some snowballs you know what I mean? So I yeah. also really appreciate the, the short sprints. Not only because, like, if it was longer, I, I probably would have got fed up with the game long before I finished. But, but yeah, for that reason, too. It's not a drag to be able to – or to have to go back and do those things. Yeah, and and I think you nailed it. Like, if, if they were longer – I mean, this game in general is, like, the longer it goes, the worse it gets. I feel like that's yeah. kind of a fair statement <laughs> yeah. to make for yeah. for this and Gamelon, uh, frankly – but yeah, they're they're short enough that you can go through them very quickly. And uh, I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if this is in the original or not. So someone's gonna have to correct me. But at least when like you die and you get a game over and you continue, you can continue from like the same area that you were in versus having to go back to 
like the the title screen mm-hmm. um i don't know if that was in the original or not i can't remember but uh at least for me it, it at least made it a little bit more like it, it made it a little bit more bearable rather than having to restart yeah and it, something like you die a lot in this game um oh, yeah. It's it's just inevitable because, like we were saying, the hitboxes the enemies have on you is so big. You also have these, like, rocks or icicles or lava rocks kind of jumping up, and you you don't know the and, timing. And so you, you might... can't see them because right? they're so, they blend into the background. Ugh. And it's not just one either. It's, like, five. So they take out all five of your hearts. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> um so you die a lot, and so, but it's not like a frustrating die a lot, like like uh, Cadence when we were playing Symphony of the Mask, you know, where yeah. you have to start the whole thing over again. It was just like, ah, crap, I died again. That was kind of hilarious. Okay, well now I know where the the freaking rocks are coming from. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you could just press forward. So you die, but it's not a frustrating death. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it is. Uh, I will say that, uh, I still, I still am quite frustrated with the way that Link, like, moves and hits in particular. We, we mentioned earlier how, like, when you're swinging your sword, you have to be, like, very, very precise if you are going to, like, pick up an item or something like that. Um, you have to be, the, the, the fact that, like, when you move, you can't, uh, you can't like aim your sword up or down. I think is really frustrating. That that one in particular just really grates on me because there's a bunch of times where like, especially in the vertical levels where there's an enemy above you that you you can just you can you just miss the person that you want to hit. But since you can only hit right or left, it's like it's like God. I, I, if I could only shoot or slash upwards, and then of course all the enemies can throw whatever direction they want. So it's just like that one kind of sucks. I think. Um, and then, you know, you're very limited in the way that you use your items in the same way. So mm-hmm. it, it's too bad that you're like, you can really either go left or right in terms of your attacking. I did think this was interesting though. And I don't remember if this was on the originals or not, or if this is part of the remaster, but the way that enemies move kind of feels beyond its time. As far as, you know, 1993, the CDI games, they, they move towards link. They don't have like a pattern. That they follow they move until he's in link's path or they're in link's path did you ever notice mm-hmm. that so yeah. like especially the flying guys like the charizards and the the flying sharks and whatever and i don't know what all these enemies are called <laughs> um they they specifically move so that even if it's at the bottom of the screen and you think it's all it's gonna do is go left and right it goes diagonal straight for link so i was like oh that's kind of cool like you don't expect a game like this to have that kind of um like dynamic that kind of tech but it did so i thought that was neat it, it was kind of yeah. frustrating frustrating but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was neat <laughs> yeah there there's no there's no evading an enemy like you know right. what i mean like if yeah. you if you manage to get past him it's like okay well i better turn around and kill him because he is coming right back around uh, yeah. which happened to me a lot but yeah now i i can kind of appreciate that it's it's just like i i think that one of the valve criticisms is like it's a very combat orientated like game in terms of like the levels, but like the actual combat really sucks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. If it was that's... just a smidge more exploration based, I think that these would be like even better. And by the way, I don't think that these are awful either, but like the, the combat definitely brings it down for sure. I don't think that you can uh, deny that. Um, yeah. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some of the bosses, actually. I want to talk about the bosses, speaking of combat. You know, for the most part, I would say that the bosses are very, very lackluster. Uh, yeah. All of them are super, super easy, and, like, they require basically no strategy. Uh, a lot of them, you have to go and get a certain item, and once you have that item, they're they're dead in, like, two or three hits. But I just, like, I feel like the bosses themselves just have so much character that I actually can't help but love them. Uh, they're all just like, maybe except for uh, uh, Goranu. He, he kind of sucks. But the rest of them, I just feel like are so bonkers and so funny. You have the Harlequin pig that you fight a bunch of times, which is actually kind of like, again, it's a stupidly easy fight, but like, it's just, it's, it's this crazy pig who you pick up its skin after you're done 
defeating he, like, him. Deflates? You have uh, you have Militron, who you have to fight, and he's like this old geezer inside of this this mechanical body. Um, Glutko, who is like this ridiculous blob, he actually reminded me of the thing from Ghostbusters. Did you get that vibe? Oh, I was thinking of the Cyclops from Hercules, actually. Okay, yeah, I could, I could dig that. I could okay. see that. <laughs> uh, he, man, he was, he was probably the most pathetic of this. Like, <laughs> feed him a bomb, and he's, he's done. Um, and then <laughs> yeah. Lupe, this guy was actually kind of cool. I would, I would be down to see Lupe come back. Uh, and this, I was fighting Lupe, and this is exactly actually where my controller stopped working. So he was almost like my final boss of the game. So I have, I have kind of a soft spot for, for old Lupe. Oh gosh. I mean, yeah, these bosses, they, they do have a lot of character. So it kind of makes up for the fact that they're like one or two hits and then they're done. Um, I hit one of the, the, you were talking about picking up the skin of Harlequin and Link, he's like, golly, (laughs) so corny. I freaking love it. But yeah, Harlequin's kind of like this weird clown, weirdo guy, pig thing. And then um, it's funny that you said you don't really care about Garanu because I think his laugh is hilarious. Like he he's like waking up the skeletons, right? And he's like, wake up, sleepy bones. And he goes, (laughs) 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 so stupid, but I love it. Like. Yeah, he he was definitely the weaker of them, but his laugh, like you would imagine it'd be like this really maniacal cackle. Like at least at least Aster had a better laugh than that. But um and then yeah, there was uh the uh the old man in the the uh, tin suit. You know, he looked very imposing, but as soon as the suit fell away, he was like, "Oh no, this old man in his underwear just running." <laughs> um they have just so much character. You the like at least they're memorable. You know the fight might not be memorable, but the characters themselves are. Totally, yeah, totally. Uh, I I popped just massive when the old guy came out of Militron's <laughs> armor. I think that was my favorite moment of the entire game. I thought it was so funny. Uh, cool sprite, by the way. He has a cool sprite. Actually, you know what? All of these guys have cool sprites. Uh, Glutko looks like really awesome and menacing. He's just like super pathetically easy so it kind of takes away from that um you know what al i was like continually waiting for uh god i feel like i can't say his name ever guanam to to betray us but he he never did he was he was a, a real one right up until the end it was kind of odd he was always like there at the beginning of the level and i'm like guy what are you doing like are you gonna help or what he's just floating there waiting for link to show up and be like this is what this boss is doing here to our poor people. And it's like, well, you're just floating. What are you doing? Right? <laughs> not you're helpful not, you're at not all. You're helping there, bud. <laughs> so dumb. I think um, the the dialogue is so good in this game. I think one last thing I want to say about Lupe is Lupe is like this wolf creature that has one cyclops eye in the middle of its forehead plus its two regular eyes. And it's like... I spy with my eyes someone who must die. And I was like, what are these <laughs> lines? Where are they coming up with this stuff? Oh, man. Uh, well, we should talk about Big Daddy Ganon, too. Maybe <laughs> the worst final boss in any Zelda game. You know what? I, I have to say something really quick before we do that. So, like like I mentioned, the, uh, the Ganon sprite sort of, kind of looks like the cartoon one if he was mixed with like the tasmanian devil but i want to give a shout out actually to the other cdi game zelda's adventure and we're never going to cover that game on this show because it is absolutely (laughs) god awful it's horrendous Um, but the sprite for ganon looks so sick in that game he looks like diablo actually you ever play that game Uh uh-uh no i've never played it all right all you guys listening Go and look up Ganon Sprite in Zelda's Adventure. He he looks badass, actually. Uh, which is probably more than we can say for Ganon in The Wand of Gamelon, both with his appearance and his fight. Yeah, I, you know, I actually really liked his uh, his design in this game. And I, I also thought his voice was very fitting. Like, you kind of have all these really goofy voices throughout the game. But I feel like Ganon was kind of spot on 
And he wasn't as corny as everybody else, which was kind of like, I was like, all right, cool. This is going to be great. And then you, when you know what you're supposed to use to fight him and you, re- it, it's just the one shot, you're like, oh, wow, that was really disappointing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, um, basically. I, I do like that he tries to, like, convince Link to join him at the end. I like that, that uh, little bit of scheming from Big Daddy Ganon there. Oh, yeah. They always got to do that, huh? But, yeah. you know, Link's like, nah, man, I was bored. I just wanted to kick your butt and throws a book at him, and he's done. Pretty pretty sad ending for uh, for Big Bad Daddy Ganon in this, in this game. But that's okay. Uh, they can't all be great boss fights. Uh, why don't we talk about some of the areas just very quickly, um, I jotted down, uh, so actually, I think that most of the areas are pretty cool in their own way, but I, I jotted down two in particular that I really liked. Uh, the first was the Harlequin Bazaar, which I, I just, like, I really dug the vibe of this. It was like, it was like this creepy carnival kind of a vibe, uh, very, I don't know, very threatening almost, and like creepy in that disturbing way. Like, if you hate clowns, you'll hate this place, right? Um, yeah. So I, I really liked it. The music was cool. And uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, but uh, the Toyku Lighthouse, I thought, was, like, very, very cool. It was one of the more challenging places in the game. But uh, I, I really dug it, and I really liked kind of getting to the very top and uh, and getting up there. I thought that that was uh, – it was cool. I liked that place. Yeah, fair enough. The Bazaar definitely gave me, like um, like, uh, circus vibes, but it had – Maybe even Cuphead a little bit, but it had that one room where it was the backdrop was a pig, and you kind of had to maneuver yeah. your way over this pig's body to get to the heart or something. And yeah. if you actually accidentally went down into the bottom, you'd go into the sewer. So I thought that was a like clever little cheesy joke. And um, uh, but yeah, it was kind of weird. Like you had to climb all the way around with all these freaking weird red demons flying at you so that was cool that was a a nicely detailed backdrop i think the place i probably spent the most time at was like uh i think it's called nor nortinka or whatever the ice area because i was getting so many snowballs yeah and garanu for the uh for items and items uh rubies so those were the most memorable to me at least yeah, I think Garanu is definitely where I spent the most time. And you're probably right. Probably second was uh, Nortinka, just getting snowballs and stuff. Um, I, I thought that... Uh, I think this is what I was trying to, to say earlier, uh, these, this area, is Spearfish Falls. I also thought mm. that that was, like, actually, like, really beautiful. Like, it looked very cool. Kind of had, like, um, almost like a Donkey Kong Country aesthetic to it. Where Ooh. it was like this, it was something that wouldn't seem out of place in Donkey Kong Country. So yeah. I really dug that place too. I yeah, and I like the the fairy fountain is there or the the fairy fountain yeah. quote unquote for this game. But yeah, it's got a couple of cute fairies and they give you a heart and it's cool because it's like you climb up this like jungle and then you find yourself in this like glen pond area and it's very pretty. I really like that spot. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that was uh, that was very pretty. Actually, when I was playing. Uh, one thing that this that this game doesn't do a very good job of necessarily is like telling you exactly what areas you can go into oh, yeah. and like yeah. what you can't. So like there's a little cave in the top corner of that area, but like I just thought it was part of the background. So I was like, oh, I guess I've gone as far as I can. And I went back and I had no idea what to do. And uh, I was just like, well, maybe I should revisit this area. And then I came back and I was like, oh my God, there's actually like a, like a <laughs> an entrance opening. at the, at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. I, I had times. a few. I had a few of those problems too because, again, it was like it was you know the issue that they had at the time the designs and the backdrop looking more like a backdrop. So it was kind of hard to see like oh that that big spot that looks like a cave. I can actually go in there, you know, because it doesn't yeah. it doesn't pop. It doesn't make you think you can. So if you hadn't played the game before, this this is true for also like how to play the game like directionally um if you hadn't played the game before i feel like people would have a hell of a time trying to actually get anywhere because they'd be they wouldn't know that that background is something that you can enter they wouldn't know where to go get an item to beat an enemy because there's no uh like indication anywhere telling you what to do yeah and i think that 
I think you mentioned this off air to me, but like this is actually this is a short game if yeah. you can get the sequence of areas and the sequence of events correct. Um, because like if you can do it correctly, you go to to one area, the one item leads to another, leads to another, leads to the boss, etc. If you don't know, then you're going to be revisiting places like four or five times, and you're you're dying and and everything like that. Um, and the game certainly doesn't assist you with telling you like you know maybe we should check out uh over here or maybe we should go here like people kind of make fun of navi and say what you will but at least she kind of tells you like hey maybe we should go to uh to see saria to keep this game going here and this game could have like desperately used something like that in fact it's it's surprising that our buddy the wizard wasn't on the overworld to like kind of tell you like hey you've got the uh you, you you found the I don't know the magic flask maybe you should go over here or maybe yeah. now that you've got the power glove you should go over here you know what I mean yeah that would make complete sense because it is his like home his island so you'd think he would know but he wasn't yeah. very helpful though he kind of he kind of upset me because <laughs> he just floated around and did nothing <laughs> he he floated around and then like not only did he do nothing. But there was one point where Buddy is floating around, and uh, and I think you have to go under like some lava or something like that. And I was like, dude, let me hop on your magic carpet and give me a ride to the other end. And he's just floating back and forth, not doing anything, not being helpful. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll just get on this small little raft and and go across this enemy-riddled tight corridor to get to the other side. Don't right. worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. You know, and one other thing too, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but uh, when one of the limitations of this game is that there weren't very many buttons on the the original CDI controller, or maybe it's just that they didn't use their their button mapping very effectively. Either way, the the item button that the button that brings up the menu for all of your items and stuff like that is the same as your accept button or your enter doorway button. So very frequently, I found myself doing this. When I would get into a new room and I wanted to like pause for a second, uh, bringing up my menu, I would accidentally go back into the room that I just came from. Or I would go into a room that was dark and required lamp oil, pull up my menu, going back into the old room. And you like <laughs> you have to move forward in order to pull like you have to take a couple steps forward in order to pull your menu up. It's very uh obtuse. You know, it's interesting you say that because I had that problem at the beginning, but at some point it like I don't know if it broke, but my buttons changed. So my menu button, it wouldn't let me go into a room. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't get into the shop. I don't know what I'm doing. It just keeps opening the menu. Like, this was supposed to be the button that I'm supposed to press to get in here. And then I eventually figured out that my up button is what was getting me into the room. So it's weird that they say that they're the same button. And at first it worked that way for me. But then at some point it changed, and I don't know why. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, yeah, what, what an experience, uh, this game was. <laughs> so, it's, you know what, yeah. and, and I, I truly don't think that, like, I think that there are worse Zelda games than The Wand of Gamelon and The Faces of Evil. Like, I, like, I would play these games before I play Zelda 2 Adventure of Link, I think. Yes! You know what I mean? Yes! Actually, I, I, I have a hot take that I have five games on my best Zelda ever list. I'd rather play this game above those five games. And I'm kind of thinking that now that we have access to these, uh, to the CDI games, that I propose next year we start ranking the CDI games with the best Zelda ever list. We make everybody play them and start <laughs> ranking them. Because I think they would actually rank, I mean, obviously they'd be low, but they would rank higher than a good handful of Zelda games. Sure. I mean, I'd I'd put this over Triforce Heroes every single day of the week, <laughs> twice on Sunday. Yeah, it's fair. That's fair. I definitely would, and you know, I'm gonna break some hearts, but just like you said, I'd rather play Faces of Evil 17 times before I played <laughs> Adventure of Link. So <laughs> that's that's uh, well, what I've got to say about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there it is. That is. Uh, you know, I think that's all the thoughts that we have for the Faces of Evil. We are going to do Wand of Gamelon at some point. We're not going to do it next week, though, because I think we both need a break from the CDI <laughs> games. Like, like we said, 
the longer they go on, the worse they get. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're, we're going to cover Wand of Gamelon at some point, and maybe we'll even bring the developer behind this onto the show to talk us through his thought process. Uh, again, big shout out to Doppley for recreating these games. If you are interested in playing them, which you guys definitely should, uh, hit him up over on Discord. His Discord is Merlin's Palace, and uh, you can talk to him and probably snag yourself a sweet, sweet copy of uh, Faces of Evil and Wand of Gamelon remastered. Allison, before we get out of here, I just wanted to pose one hypothetical what-if scenario to you. Okay. I'm going to oversimplify this, but like back in the 90s, you know, the original idea wasn't for Philips to be working on this Super Nintendo CD add-on. It was for Sony to work on this. So my what-if to you, and just a thought experiment to everyone in general, imagine if this had worked out and Nintendo had went with, with Sony and they had not went with Philips. Not only would we have never had the Wand of Gamelon and the Faces of Evil, we would have never had the PlayStation. It's crazy how, like significant these games and this moment in time were and are to the course of video game history you know what that's actually pretty amazing and i'm a firm believer of everything happens for a reason so even if you think these games are awful and are the scum on a very nice canvas of the zelda franchise they did something amazing that's cool i had no idea about that uh yeah it's it's a it's a very interesting topic and uh one that you know i i really oversimplified it there were a lot of other moving parts actually sony had had uh, a working arrangement with both sega and nintendo at one point to go and make uh an add-on for their consoles and both of them ended up you know saying no and that's that's how sony decided to get into the console game it was just like you know what forget this we'll just do it ourselves and it's very very interesting to me and i've always kind of viewed these games as like not only these these meme kind of central based games but also just like really significant into shaping the course of uh, video game history so yeah yeah that's a cool little fun fact for you right there i like that uh well you know what i wanted to put out there to everyone listening that you can shape the course of the champions cast history here Allison and I, we haven't picked out what we're going to talk about next week yet, uh, I don't think, have we? No, I think we have, like, some very spare ideas, but not not a whole lot to work with. <laughs> um, so, you know what? We, we usually come up and, and do the brainstorming ourselves, but I figured, hey, why don't, we, why don't we put it out there for all you listeners? If you have a topic that you are interested in, uh, in having us cover or, or listening to us cover... Uh, let us know over on Twitter or over on Zelda Dungeons Discord, and uh, you know we'll do our best to to cover it. Uh, we're not going to do a fan question episode, I don't think, but we'll definitely take in a few topics and uh, you know give you our two cents on them. So make sure that you are letting us know over on Twitter and Discord. What do you think of that, Al? Uh, little, a little audible here that I just called. Yeah, I think that's fun. I think there's definitely some things that um, the listeners have thought about that we haven't so it'd be cool to see what they can throw at us give us your best and we will talk about it on the show uh that is going to do it for us this week we are going to get out of here uh thank you guys for listening and suffering through the faces of evil with us uh we want you to check us out over on twitter at spateri316 at allison aletha and uh you know what? Hook up with us over on Discord, too. Uh, Zelda Dungeon uh, Discord. Um, we want you to check out the Champions cast over on SoundCloud, iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. Go and like and subscribe. Leave us that fresh five-star review if you think we've earned it. That'd be really cool. And we'll read it out on the air and give you some props. Uh, until next week, guys, take care. Calling all Metroid fans, 
If you've been dying for a Metroid podcast to listen to on the road to Metroid Prime 4, you're in luck. Introducing the Omega Metroid Podcast, the only weekly Metroid show on the internet. Join Andy Spiteri of the Champions Cast and esports personality Dakota the Rapture Lasky as they explore the world of Metroid and talk Samus, Space Pirates, and Nintendo every Tuesday. Finally, a show for Metroid fans by Metroid fans. Subscribe on Podbean and iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Omega Metroid Pod. See you next mission. <laughs>